This is 1988 Tops, where every card has a story to tell. Your hosts are David McKellis and Matt Kuzma. Let's play ball. Welcome back to 1988 Tops. David, what's our card for this week? Our card this week is Alvin Davis, card number 785. Alvin Davis was a first baseman for the Seattle Mariners. All right, Alvin Davis. This is a good one coming up, but before we get to that, we do have follow-up from last week's episode with Tom Lawless. The follow-up here is we talked about the bat flip that Tom Lawless did in Game 4 of the 1987 World Series, and we said it was the greatest bat flip. (laughs) We've raved about how fantastic this was. Tom has compared it to Jose Bautista's bat flip. Well, we have an actual authority here that MLB.com, the MLB network, did a ranking of bat flips. And so we'll put a link in the show notes to the top 50 bat flips of all time. And this was in 2018 they did this ranking. And Tom finished number one in MLB's ranking. So that is in authority. And I think particularly because it's the MLB network, they might have an interest in putting some more recent prominent current players in nope 1987 (laughs) relatively unknown tom lawless i don't know if this had anything to do with the next bit of follow-up here so that came out january 21st of 2018 that list of bat flips february a couple weeks later february 14th the perfect valentine's day gift 1987 World Series Tom Lawless game-used bat flip home run bat and ball were sold at auction. Whoa! You know, it is not included in here that this was the number one bat flip of all time. Mm, But... The bidding bidding started at $1,000. What? Wow. It sold for $6,000. Yeah, well, you know that article made a big difference then. It was definitely designed... Maybe the editor from MLB.com had an inkling this would happen. There was probably some huge kickback of $250 or something like that in order Wait to get a that minute. story Wait a minute. This story, the story, the author on it is T. Lawless. Hold what? on a minute. Wait a minute. No. <laughs> That's, uh, it's fascinating. I, I think you would have to say, David, in 2021... The videos of those top 50 bat flips could easily be their own collection of NFTs that could be sold for millions and millions. Tom Lawless sold too early, David. Just for the memes, this bat flip is amazing. The animated gif of Tom Lawless's bat flip has risen to the number one of my charts of most used gifs in my apple iMessage app and so i know it would be as valuable to everyone else too we will get into this in a a later episode but i did purchase an mlb nft what a pack of them so we'll get into that if i ever figure out how to sell them you could (laughs) buy a pack of these prospect nfts and i was like you know what this will be this will be content i i really i admire your commitment to the cause david could you buy just an NFT that's Tom Lawless's mustache? Yes. It can be done. All of it can be done with the right crypto and the right community, David. 
Uh, we will get an update on that later. But now let's get back to Alvin Davis. And this was a recommendation from a listener. Yes, this card, this came as a recommendation through a little bit of a circuitous route. The Twitter account Wax Pack Gods, which is associated with this website of the same name. They tell stories about cards. They asked on Twitter for people to name a player who played in the first MLB game you saw in person. And they said bonus points for showing a card. One of the responses to that was friend of the show, Upper Deck 1990, at UDeck 1990 on Twitter. A great account that chronicles every 1990 Upper Deck card. The reply from Upper Deck 1990 was, The smell of Kingdom hot dogs is what I remember watching Alvin Davis hit a home run. A rare no-mustache look on his 1988 Tops card. Future episode? Question mark. So we're going to take that and run with it. The guy who runs that account is Michael Unger, at Michael J. Unger on Twitter. He has his own podcast called Nerdin' About and is a program coordinator at the H.R. McMillan Space Center in Vancouver. So go follow him for space content, as well as 1990 Upper Deck content. And so here you go, Michael. Happy to oblige. So a great card. Going to pull it up on the Jumbotron here. And yes, no mustache in sight. Alvin Davis was, is Mr. Mariner. He had a really good run and was a really good player. And also is just a very nice guy. Yeah, I think that his efforts on the field would be much more appreciated in today's game, but they were very appreciated in Seattle. Unfortunately, as we talked about in Ray Quinones' episode, the Mariners were just hot garbage in the 1980s. <laughs> so sorry, unfortunately, Alvin Davis played for a lot of bad teams, but was very good. So not going to be any World Series audio highlights or Vin Scully clips from famous games to play in today's episode, but a great guy and a great looking card. So let's get to it, to the front of 785. And this shot, David, this has the look of an Olin Mills studio to me. So the shot is just from the waist up, but... You can tell he's kind of got his one foot placed up on a block so that he can then lean over and cross his arms and rest them on his knee. He's looking slightly to the left, you know, looking on. In the background, there's what looks like a large hill and a very blue sky to match his deep blue hat and blue jersey. Not a Mariner's color combination that I remember with the deep blue hat and the gold s and the gold and white trim around this training top and he's got a very nice big blue wristband as well this is not a great mariners logo i don't like this one i do like the upside down trident and then i think after this one they switched to the more modern looking nautical theme but yeah they're just a giant s for seattle if you had asked me before I saw this card, I would have said, oh yeah, Alvin Davis, big mustache, good power hitter. And then I looked at this card and he has no mustache. Is this an error? Yes. It's uncorrected error. I don't know if they did a Henry Cavill in Justice League situation where they airbrushed out his mustache, but every other picture, if you search for 
Alvin Davis baseball cards, every single one has a mustache. <laughs> I don't know what happened in spring training 1987, but Alvin decided to go for a different look. I don't like it. That's my hot take here. That's <laughs> hot take. Well, I'm with you. I want the mustache. In all of Alvin's tops cards, he doesn't really have a good action shot. I think maybe 1986, he might have one where he's kind of running out of the box. But in 87, 88, 89, it's just like, just his face. He looks like a generic guy. And Alvin Davis was a great player and the face of this team. And, you know, they should have given him some more respect. You know, good pick of him hitting a home run at the Kingdom. Yeah, that would have been much preferable to this, which looks like it may be from a magazine promoting real estate development in Arizona. So <laughs> let's go to the back of the card. Much better seen on the back of 785. Alvin Davis, first baseman, 6'1", 190, left-handed batter, right-handed thrower, drafted by the Mariners in the sixth round, 1982. Born September 9th, 1960 in Riverside, California, with a home in Bellevue, Washington. The aesthetics of the back of this card are very nice. You have four lines of stats. You have a fun fact from the minor leagues. You have a this way to the clubhouse. It has everything. It's not too crowded. So that's that's a plus. The name Alvin is derived from the old English names Ethelwine and Eldwine. The names mean noble friend and old friend, respectively. I also saw that it could mean friend of elves. <laughs> Which is, an, I thought that was the meaning of the name Gimli. <laughs> but Alvin, friend of elves, was the 683rd most popular U.S. boy's name in 2020. I didn't realize that it would still be even on the list. You know, we, we haven't seen Garth on the list. But it peaked in the 1920s and 30s. It was regularly in the top 100 of baby names. 66th in 1927. Famous Alvins include Alvin Ailey, dancer, choreographer, founder of the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. Alvin Dark, who was the 1948 National League Rookie of the Year. And he won a World Series with the Giants in 1954, went on to manage pennant-winning teams in both the AL and NL, and won the World Series as a manager as well. Alvin Karpis, who was born Alvin Francis Karpovicius, very good Lithuanian name, he was once public enemy number one among his many crimes. Carpus and the Barker gang kidnapped William Ham of the Ham's Brewing Company. Oh, no. And the kidnappers were paid $100,000 for his release. He was later convicted of kidnapping, robbery, burglary, murder, and was imprisoned on Alcatraz for 26 years. Mm. And finally, Alvin-related names. Ross Bagdasarian? Better known by a stage name, David Seville, he was a songwriter for Rosemary Clooney, Dean Martin, and then he had perhaps his biggest hit in 1958 with the Chipmunk song, Christmas Don't Be Late, performed by Alvin, Simon, and Theodore, mm. the Chipmunks. Maybe best known Alvins. Probably top Alvin. Alvin Davis here, the number one Alvin of our hearts, was born in Riverside, California. He still, to this day, lives in Riverside, California, named for its location on the Santa Ana River. The 61st largest city in the United States has grown from 80,000 people in 1960 when Alvin was born to over 300,000 in 2020. 
And we have a Sabre bio to thank here. Eric Vickery wrote the Sabre bio for Alvin Davis. Alvin was the youngest of four boys born in a, into a deeply religious family. His father, William Davis, was in the Air Force during World War II. His mother, Miley, grew up in the Great Depression, grew up playing baseball and softball in Riverside. Both of his parents were active in their church and their local NAACP. Alvin was the youngest of, of four kids. When he was growing up, there were some difficulties for Alvin. In 1966, one of his brothers, Howard, was at a party, and he was involved in an altercation. He came to the defense of a friend, and he was stabbed and died of those injuries. A few years later, in 1970, Alvin's father underwent a surgical procedure on an aortic aneurysm, and he died in that process. Alvin was only 10 years old at the time. And so Alvin drew particularly close to his mother after his father's death. Miley worked multiple jobs, running a salon, working in a department store. She worked as a teaching assistant and raised the remaining three boys on her own. And according to Alvin, in my high school years, it was just me and her. We don't have a mother-son relationship. We're the best of friends. Alvin in high school went to John W. North High, named for the founder of Riverside, California. Other alums include football player Chris Claiborne and screenwriter J.F. Lawton. Lawton, who wrote Pretty Woman, Under Siege, and Blank Man, all of equal quality. While at J.W. North High School, Alvin hit 400 as a junior and 380 as a senior, and he was attracting some pro interest as well as recruiters from elite college baseball programs, including Arizona State University, USC, UCLA, and Oral Roberts. So he could have been a Tom Nieto teammate (laughs) at the No Dancing University. His top school was Arizona State, and they offered him a full ride. Despite his intention being known that he planned to go to Arizona State, he was drafted in the eighth round by the Giants out of high school, and he still chose to go to college. Yeah, not only that, his mom did too. (laughs) So mom joined him in Tempe, They shared an apartment throughout his college years, and Alvin said it didn't cramp his style. I I guess not, uh, because mom seems pretty awesome. She cooked and cleaned for him, found work as a teacher's aide in Tempe, took several classes of her own at Arizona State, and this helped lay the groundwork for Alvin to have a very successful college career. As a sophomore, he took on a role as a starter at DH. And took advantage of that opportunity. He hit 370 with 10 home runs and 49 RBIs. 1981, he took over as the starting first baseman. He was co-captain of this team and hit 395. His power dropped off a little bit, but he did still have 50 RBIs. The power outage here was due to both a shoulder injury as well as some illnesses. He suffered both from shingles and something called valley fever. Oh, man. I have not spent a lot of time in Arizona, but valley fever frightens me here. It is a fungal lung infection and can lead to fatigue, coughing, fevers, and shortness of breath. His teammates and his coaches were all marveling at the fact that he was still playing despite going through these illnesses. He was in rough shape. He couldn't even take batting practice, but he still hit 395. He was named All-Pac-10, led the team to the College World Series, wherein they defeated Oklahoma State to win the College World Series championship. Yeah, he was all tournament, hit 478 in the tourney. So I take it back, David, there, there is playoff and championship baseball in this episode, just not in the major leagues, but this is an incredible achievement. 
and it earned him another draft selection. He was picked in the sixth round by the Oakland A's, but he didn't sign. He said that he was asking for $50,000. They offered 30000 as a signing bonus. So he decided to go back for a senior season. And scouts kind of questioned whether he actually wanted to play in the pros. But it was important for him to finish his college education, and it was important to Miley, his mom. He said, it's really easy to be misunderstood. I believe I'm happier this way. I got a finance degree, which I'm very proud of. And he would go on to use that finance degree. In that senior season, he hits 355 with 13 home runs and 91 RBIs. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm not even believing what I wrote there. That's an amazing season. Second team All-American. And his coach called him, quote, the most complete human being I've had on a baseball team. Very impressive. That leads us to the this way to the clubhouse, as once again, Alvin is selected in the sixth round, this time signed as the sixth round draft selection with the Mariners, June 22nd, 1982, by scout Bob Harrison. Alvin had an opportunity to stay at Arizona State and have a full ride to get a master's degree in educational psychology. Miley told him, whatever you decide to do, don't ever look back. Unlike his junior season, he didn't have another year of college eligibility to negotiate to use as leverage, and he didn't get his $50,000 signing bonus. Instead, he only got $10,000 from the Mariners. But he decided to go pro and not stay in school, and it turned out okay for him. But interestingly, there were four Arizona State players who were picked ahead of him in that draft. Only one of those even made it to the majors. And there was some doubt about Davis as he had been a third baseman and then was switched to first base of what position he would play. So Bob Harrison, the scout, told Davis, Alvin, you can't run, you can't throw, your glove is okay, but you can hit. And your bat will take you as far as you're going to go. And Davis would later admit that Harrison was 100% right in his assessment. And he did go on to hit very well. Bob Harrison also had a couple big hits here. He was a big league scout for 50 years, started with the Mariners in 1976. And while signing Alvin Davis is pretty good, he signed Mr. Mariner. He really earned his paycheck in 1987 when he recommended that the Mariners use the number one pick in the draft on a high school center fielder from Cincinnati instead of college pitcher Mike Harkey. And that center fielder turned out pretty, pretty good. Meanwhile, Alvin went straight to double A. He hit 284 with 12 home runs and 53 walks in 74 games. And Seattle's minor league director said that he has more patience at the plate and a better idea of what he's trying to do than any young hitter I've seen since Ted Williams, which is now the second Ted Williams connection uh, to a Mariners player that we've, we've heard. Yeah, Ted compared Ray Quinones to Frank Robinson. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that the minor league director here was slightly more on target with his comparison of Alvin Davis to a great player than than Ted was. In 1983, Alvin starts at Double A Chattanooga, and we have a fun fact. That's right. In 1983 at Chattanooga, Alvin earned All-Star honors and led the league with 12 sacrifice flies and 120 walks. Fantastically fun fact. He had a 9.39 OPS, 18 <laughs> home runs. He only played 131 games and had almost as many walks as hits. So he had 125 hits, 120 walks. He was just an on-base machine, which 
he would continue to be throughout his career. In 1984, he said that his goal this season was to reach the major leagues by September. I'll be satisfied with that. He started in AAA to open 1984. At Salt Lake City, he went two for three with an RBI and a walk in his first game. And that was his only game at AAA. As we talked about in the Ken Phelps episode, Ken injured his finger very early in the season. And Alvin was called into service. So there you go. So his, his goal was achieved. And in that rookie season, his first game was against Boston at home with Dennis Eckersley on the mound. His first at bat, he doesn't fully connect with a fastball and flies out. In his second at bat, Alvin said, I 100% knew I was going to get a fastball at some point. I also knew that if I got beat again, let's just say that I would know that I wasn't ready for the big leagues. He connected and hit a 450-foot home run. (laughs) In his second at bat, he also walked twice in that game and started a really excellent run in that rookie season. In his first 10 at-bats, he had eight extra base hits. He hit safely in his first nine games, and he also got on base in every single game up until June 7th. So that was 47 straight games to open his career. That is outrageous. A hit During that stretch, hits 329, an OPS of 1,070, 13 homers and 43 RBIs, But this is the Mariners, so there's no one else on this team doing anything. So they're still under 500 during that stretch. But that hot start earned him an article in the June 1984 Sports Illustrated. And they threw in a, you know, a little bit of hyperbole. Not that, you know, we aren't above comparing players like your mean Mercedes suggesting that they might be future Hall of Famers. But (laughs) this is a bit much. In the Sports Illustrated article, they say, you can add the name of Alvin Davis to the list of great rookie performers of all time alongside Fred Lynn, Barbara Streisand, Wilt Chamberlain, (laughs) and Alexander the Great. (laughs) Come on. Alongside each of these names, they give their, their credits, you know, Fred Lynn, 1975, AL MVP, Barbara Streisand, 1968, Best Actress, and Alexander the Great, 335 BC all world. I believe Alexander the Great was never defeated in battle and may have started his career as a military leader at like at age 12. Is that a rookie performance? I don't I don't know. I have to ask. The... I think you could you could easily make a, a claim for Alexander the Great future star. It's a, a good first Sports Illustrated article. They also talked to his mom in that article. And Miley seems like she's the best. Alvin cooled off a little bit, hitting 227 in the next month. So by the time the Sports Illustrated article was out, he was already kind of slowing down a little bit. But he was named to the All-Star game. Yes, along with Doc Gooden and Juan Samuel. Those are the three rookies named to the 1984 All-Star team. And this is the first time the Mariners' homegrown position player made the All-Star game. The Sports Illustrated article makes this point. It says, at last, a man to shout about. You know, really, this is the first time that the Mariners have their own guy. They had signed older, aging stars before. They had had decent players. But Alvin Davis really was there to put the Mariners on the map. He ended up finishing that season with a two eighty four average, 27 home runs, 
97 walks, 116 RBIs. He had a 147 OPS plus. At the time, his 27 home runs were the 20th best ever for a rookie. His 6.0 wins above replacement is the 25th best season for a rookie position player. He had a really good year, and the Mariners went 74 and 88. <laughs> so the Mariners, even with, with that terrible record, they end up having Alvin and Mark Langston, who end up finishing first and second in the American League Rookie of the Year voting. Langston led the AL in strikeouts and received three first place votes, but Alvin got the other 25, and some guy named Kirby Puckett finished a distant third. So Alvin, a Rookie of the Year season, he also got some MVP votes, finishing 12th in the MVP voting. And both he and Mark Langston would remain consistent performers for some bad Mariners teams. 85 and 86, the team was again 74 and 88 in 1985, and then even worse, 67 and 95 in 1986. There were reports around this time that the Mariners could go bankrupt or that they would move out of Seattle entirely. Alvin had some injuries, including a groin strain that limited his productivity a little bit, limited him to 135 games in 1986. His vision also started to deteriorate around this time. He said he was 20-20 in his right eye, but his left eye, he couldn't read the chart at all. He tried glasses and contacts and other treatments, but nothing really worked in these couple years. So he just was kind of, he was struggling a little bit, but still struggling for Alvin Davis, 18 home runs each season, 72, 78 RBIs, average dropped down to 270 in 1986, but that's still a solid, you know, solid output for a guy on a pretty bad team. Yeah. And, but how on earth is he hitting a baseball? If one eye, he can't see out of, I, I mean, it's, it's shocking to me. So 1987, technology steps in and and helps Davis out. He was diagnosed with keratoconus, which is a rare eye condition that involves a bulging cornea, and was prescribed a new type of contact lens. And David, it worked. Alvin is a religious man, but he said, I am not hesitant to call it a miracle. We see it from his stats here. He is back to 1984 levels of production. Combine being able to see out of both eyes with the rabbit ball, and Alvin hit 295, 29 home runs, 100 RBIs. He was the first Mariner in history to have 200 RBI seasons. The Mariners also won the most games in a season in their history. I mean, it's only 78, <laughs> but that's progress. That is progress. It's a huge improvement. And going into 1988, the quote from Alvin was, I sense a feeling from players that this is going to be our year. It wasn't. They won 68 games, finished in last place. Alvin had a really good year, though. He hit 295 again, 18 home runs. Earned himself a three-year, $4.5 million contract. 1989, not much better for the M's, but Alvin had a a fantastic season hitting 305, 21 home runs, over 100 walks. His 156 OPS plus was second in the American League and the best of his career. He also only struck out 49 times. So for power hitters of this time and now to look at it in 2021, 
a guy who hits 20 plus home runs and only strikes out 49 times is that's a dream. So around this time, Mariners broadcaster Dave Niehaus starts calling Alvin Mr. Mariner in the tradition of Mr. Cub Ernie Banks. And Alvin was pretty flattered by that because Ernie Banks is one of his heroes. But this is also around a time, David, there's a bit of a changing of the guard because Mark Langston was traded to Montreal in a multiplayer deal that brought Randy Johnson to Seattle. Langston was Davis's best friends on the team and was his roommate on the road. This was also the time when that kid from Cincinnati joined the team. Ken Griffey Jr. made his debut in 1989. And so you see this some of the pieces being put into place for those 1990s Mariners teams. And unfortunately, as Seattle's building up, Alvin's career was on a bit of a downslide. In 1990, the Mariners signed Pete O'Brien to play first base. Alvin thought they were going to share first base duties, but instead he spent most of the season as DH. Pete O'Brien struggled in Seattle and wasn't able to replicate Davis's productivity. Alvin also didn't like the change of tempo that came with playing DH. Publicly, he was still Mr. Mariner, you know, willing to play wherever, but one teammate said that he was hurt by the way that the situation was handled and by the way he was kind of pushed aside. He still put up decent numbers in 1990, 283, 17 home runs, but that was really his last productive season. So 1991 is Alvin's last full season in the majors, and the end of the season is when he has the most memorable moment of his career. On October 4th, the Mariners beat the White Sox 6-4. to wasn't really an interesting game. There was no pennant race implication from this game, but it was the Mariners' 82nd win, which was the first time they finished above 500 in team history. And obviously for all of Davis's career as well, he went 0 for 4 in the game. He only hit 221 that season and was admitting that he lost something and was near the end of his career. The guys went to the clubhouse and celebrated, and, and Davis said that it was important to them to get over that hump and to get past that block of being a losing team. And even though he was on the downslide, you have Ken Griffey Jr., Edgar Martinez, Jay Buhner all playing in this game, guys who would make up the core of that 90s Mariners team. And the fans knew that this was likely Davis's last year. Pete O'Brien was still under contract for a couple seasons. Young Tino Martinez is coming up, and Davis is in the last year of his contract. So they gave him a standing ovation when he came to pinch hit on the final day of the season. And two at-bats in, in a pinch-hitting role were Davis's last contributions as a player to the Seattle Mariners in 1991. 1992, he didn't receive a major league offer until February, where he accepted a one-year deal with the Angels. He played in 40 games, hitting 250 without a home run. His last major league highlight came June 25th, and that was a game when the Angels traveled to the Kingdom. It was Alvin's first game back in Seattle. It would also turn out to be his final major league game. The Mariners pretty charitably called it Alvin Davis night when he's playing for the other team. But he gave an emotional speech prior to the game. He said, it's good to be home. This is my home. Everything good that ever happened to me was right here in front of all of you. Said he was maybe a little bit embarrassed to be back and celebrating on these terms at being the end of his career. But 
He went two for four in front of the old fans. And that was it. The Angels released him the next day so he could stay at home in Washington. He did briefly play in the Nippon Baseball League for the Kintetsu Buffaloes. He hit 275 with five homers in 40 games. He said he enjoyed his time there. He was a teammate of Hideo Nomo, played against a future Seattle legend, a young Ichiro. But he decided to hang up his glove after that season at age 32. He said he had three young kids at home and realized if he came back to play in the States, he would have to start in the minors, and he didn't want to have to reestablish himself and, and go through all that process. So closing the book on Alvin Davis's career, Alvin was the club's all-time leader in 10 offensive categories, hits, home runs, extra base hits, at-bats, doubles, RBIs, walks, runs, and total bases. Now, Griffey and Edgar Martinez ultimately broke all of these marks, but he hit nine career grand slams and was named the Mariners' most valuable player three different seasons, 1984, 88, and 89. An interesting note about Davis's power numbers, he really teed off on Mike Smithson. He didn't hit more than four home runs off of any pitcher, but he hit seven off Mike Smithson. (laughs) I don't know what, what Mike did here, but that was unfortunate for him. Those who haven't listened to the Mike Smithson episode, feel free to go back and see if you can find out anything from there that gave a tip to Alvin on his pitches, maybe. You said that Alvin still lives in Riverside. What's he up to now? After his career, he went into financial counseling and financial management, and he uses a Bible-based framework for financial counseling. He's also very involved with his church as an elder and volunteer overseeing the church's finances. And if you look at his biography on the Cornerstone Bible Church website, he's listed as a former employee of the Seattle Mariners Baseball Club, which is a little bit downplaying and and a humble way of saying the face of the franchise for 10 years and Mr. Mariner. But that seems like what what Alvin is, a a pretty humble and, um, and pretty nice guy. So, David, now looking into Alvin's background, how do we feel about him, aside from the fact that we feel robbed about not getting his great mustache on this card? Alvin Davis was a really good baseball player. He was a patient hitter, and he was an on-base machine. At his peak, he was one of the best hitters in baseball. In his best seasons, his OPS Plus from 1984 to 1990 was 135. That's the 12th best result during that period. He was 5th in walks, 28th in home runs, 16th in doubles, 16th in RBIs during that period. And he was doing this all for a team that was regularly 15 games under 500. He put Seattle baseball on the map. He was the team's first real homegrown star. As a person, Alvin Davis seems really thoughtful. In interviews, he's a man of faith and he cares about his family. And he seems to walk the walk. We talked about Miley, his mother, earlier. In that 1984 article, Miley was quoted, I knew someday Alvin would be great. And she was right. She was his biggest fan and biggest supporter, and they're still very close. Alvin still lives in Riverside, California, as does Miley. When his kids grew up, Alvin decided to go back to baseball. He's still a coach with the Mariners. And players were asked, do you know that guy? And they said, yeah, he's in the cage. 
Alvin Davis's poster still hangs in the Mariners' batting cage. <laughs> he is still an ever-present Mr. Mariner. And in that role as kind of a community ambassador, in 2020, Alvin was interviewed at the beginning of the pandemic. And he said that we jumped on safe practices by social distancing, doing all of that stuff right away. And he said, it doesn't make sense at all for my mom to have lived 99 plus years and for us not to help protect her and others. To think back on the last hundred years, she has lived through some significant worldwide events. The Great Depression, World War II. She does have some memories of those events, and that's why we're taking so many precautions. And he said at the time that his number one goal was making sure that Miley made it to 100. And she did. In June 2020, Miley Davis celebrated her 100th birthday. And in that role as ambassador, Alvin has been involved in COVID vaccine efforts in Washington. In 2021, a video has Alvin talking about the importance of vaccines and fighting back against COVID. And he said his mother had just gotten her second dose. So Miley has now made it to 101. Yes. She has seven grandchildren, 13 great-grandchildren, and one great-great-grandchild. And Miley still seems to be doing pretty well. Maybe the final word on Alvin Davis here. In 1997... Alvin was the first player inducted into the Mariners Hall of Fame. So they had another Alvin Davis day, which I think he may have been less embarrassed about this one because this was just a, a full celebration of him at the Kingdome. And he threw out the first pitch to Ken Griffey Jr. Players like Ken Griffey, Randy Johnson, Edgar Martinez, they would all eclipse Davis in stats and the team would eclipse those 80s Mariners teams in popularity when they were actually successful. Griffey asked reporters, do you think there will ever be another Mr. Mariner? And this is Ken Griffey, already at this point, the biggest star in baseball. He said, I don't. Alvin is the original and the only one. So cheers to Alvin Davis. Cheers to Miley Davis. Mr. Mariner, even though he don't have a mustache in this picture, this is a, it's a good card and a good player and a great dude. Absolutely, David. A great story as well, so thank you. Thank you to Upper Deck 1990 for giving us the recommendation. Be sure to give them a follow. And to you at home, thank you for listening. If you've got a great mom or if you are a great mom, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter. We're at Tops1988. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. 